We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. This is a, kind of a, a rewind for us, right? We, we spent most of 2022 expositing the book of Acts together. But now, going back to Acts chapter 2, that's like, I don't know, like 10 months ago maybe? So we're, we're jumping back in our time machine here, and we're remembering what this community of Jesus followers looked like at the very start. Like the Holy Spirit filled them, came upon them. They saw Jesus rise from the grave. This person that they were following, but then was taken away from them and murdered, they saw him come back to life. But then he was leaving again. It's like this roller coaster, right? But he said, hey, it's better that I go because my spirit, the helper, the spirit of God, the father is sending to you and he will fill you. And Jesus said, it's not always gonna be that way either. I'm preparing a place for you, preparing a home where God will once again dwell with his people. In the meantime, we are not alone. His spirit is here. And so the spirit fills these people and we get this image of what it looks like to be the church filled with the power of God's spirit. And so in Acts 2, starting in verse 42, this is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is God's word. Well, we're just, since there's a few of us here, okay, let's do this kind of like, like uh, discussion, Bible study night style. All right, I'm gonna ask you a question. What were some of the things you just heard in that, in Acts chapter two, that lend to what a community looks like? Togetherness, uh, recognizing that there's one another's in their midst. Just throw some things out there. What were some things you heard that are like, oh, this looks like what a good, healthy community does together? Let's ask this, and this one you don't have to say out loud. How much do you have a community that resembles that today? Just think about that for a second. And then, follow-up question. What, if, if it's not 100% like matching that, what are some of the things that might get in the way of experiencing that type of community. So, you know, it's New Year's Day, January 1st, 2023. Never thought I'd live to see that year, but here it is. And uh, it's the day where, you know, usually like you're starting to clean out your kitchen. You're like, throw this away. I can't, I can't have any more pie. I can't have any more cookies, right? Like you're like, let's get rid of this. I don't know if any of you have done this, like if you've kind of fooled yourself the way I have, where you say to yourself, let me just eat it now so we get it out of the house, right? Let's just eat it now, then it won't be in the house any longer and it won't be a problem. Here's the dark 
secret truth, you guys. Whether you eat it now or you eat it another day, you're still eating it. Those same calories are still getting into your body. In fact, it's probably better to stretch it out a little bit. But I did that this year. I was like, let me just eat it all now, and then I won't have to worry about it anymore, right? And so the holiday season, what it does is it messes up our rhythms, doesn't it? It really just kind of jolts your whole <laughs> reality for a while. Like you're, you're spending your time doing things you don't normally spend your time doing, which means other things that you have obligation to can sometimes get moved to the back burner, right? Uh, you're, you're eating much differently than you probably normally eat for anything like me. And you're like, I don't know. I, I just feel like my health is just like plummeted in two weeks. It feels like I undid everything I had been doing before that, right? Uh, but I always remember something a friend of mine told me. He said, hey, your, your health, it's a lifestyle. It's more of a marathon than a sprint, right? And so it's not like I undid everything. I have to restart now. And I need to go on this like 30-day cleanse. Although that's not bad if you choose to do that. That's great too. But it's not like, oh, I restarted. Now I'm back to ground zero. It's no, now I, I just need to kind of course correct a little bit, get back on track to what I was doing and continue what I started well. That's what most of life is, is like you're, if you get on a good track, there's going to be speed bumps, there's going to be potholes, there's going to be some twists and turns. But how do I continue in what was healthy? How do I continue in what was good? Don't worry, this is not a sermon on New Year's resolutions, okay? I never make those. I hate them. If you make them, that's great. You probably do a better job sticking to them than I do. That's why I hate them because I, January 3rd, it's all out the window, right? But what we are talking about is continuing well. Uh, this is a lesson I feel like many of the holiday movies could have learned. Like, I love Home Alone. I, my wife is like, slapstick comedy, it's ridiculous. And I know that, and I usually don't like slapstick, but there's a nostalgia with it. What, I watched it as a kid. Home Alone 2, not bad either. If you thought Home Alone 1 was unbelievable, like Home Alone 2, like really, you lost the kid again, you guys? And the same two bandits show up. Like, what's going on here? But it's still enjoyable. I still watch it. Home Alone 3. Has anyone ever seen it? Horrible, right? Completely different cast. Uh, it's different characters, but the same situation happens. I think there's like nine installments in the Home Alone franchise, by the way. Home Alone 4, I think, is when there's like a, it's still a different cast, but they're supposed to be the original characters now. And Kevin McAllister is somehow younger than he was in the first movie, even though he's supposed, this is supposed to occur like several years later. It's just, it's tragic, really. There's no continuity in the storyline. It doesn't continue well. Uh, on the other hand, one of my other favorite Christmas movies is A Christmas Story. Anyone know this one? Okay, I'm dating myself a little bit, but A Christmas Story, I love that movie. It was filmed in Cleveland where my dad's family's from, and so my dad made us watch it every year, and so there's nostalgia there too. I love the movie though, it's really good. They made A Christmas Story 2, a sequel in 2012, and oddly enough, the, one of the bandits in Home Alone played the dad in it because it was a whole different cast again, right? Um, I never watched it. I couldn't bring myself to do it because I know what they did to Home Alone. And I heard the reviews were pretty bad, so I was justified in not ever watching it. But this year, this past year, they made A Christmas Story Christmas, 
which is like the legit sequel to A Christmas Story. They got all the original cast to return, except for the dad, because the actor passed away, and the mom, uh, they couldn't get for that, but they got a pretty good stand-in for her, and everybody else were all the same cast. And it's not the same, like they don't just rewrite all the same jokes. It's not all the same story just played out with older people now. They do really good callbacks to the original, but they also created a whole new storyline and a whole new plot, and it's good. Like, it, it brings you back to that nostalgia of the first movie because they remember who they are. They remember how the story started, and they continue well in that. My hope is, Missio, that we don't hit January and we just go, oh, man, like, we, we kind of blew some things last year. Let's get a restart, right? Or, oh, man, things have changed and shifted over the years. Let's restart, because let's be honest, like we, we started, we, we moved here in February 2020, and then something happened in March of 2020. Do you guys remember? I'm not going to name it because it's the wrong kind of nostalgia. Got a little PTSD from it. But 2020 happened, right? And there's all kinds of bumps and potholes and, and twists and turns, all kinds of things that, that just shifted up our routines and our rhythms. And how do we not start over? But how do we go, hey, let's remember who we are, let's get back on track, and let's start to build back in those rhythms and routines we had that were healthy. It's also a good time to evaluate what were the ones that were not healthy, right? But how do we continue well? Now, here's the thing. What we just read in Acts 2, that was the start of this beautiful thing called the church, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But as we saw throughout 2022, as we journeyed through Acts it didn't stay that way, did it? They hit their own potholes and bumps and twists and turns along the way. Most of it was their own sin. But a lot of it also was oppression and it was, it was injustices that were happening around them, right? And it was spiritual forces at play. And so there's all kinds of things that kind of tried to veer them off of this course of being this community we just heard about that lived life together daily worshiped God together, ate food together, shared their belongings and possessions together, like lived with joy together in such a way that everyone outside, even though they seemed weird, and even though it was like this, this community that never existed before of people who are affluent and people who are impoverished coming together, people saw this community and they thought, wow, this is cool for the most part. Uh, it said they enjoyed favor from the people because they were living in such a way that not only did it look like something they wanted to be, get in on, but also they were living in such a way where it was being a blessing to the community around them. And then things happen and things change, right? And, and stuff gets in the way. And so that's why we're going to jump, by the way, to Romans 12 in a minute. Just spoiler alert, if you want to get your thumb there whether it's swiping or turning, but hold that place because we're going to get there in a minute because what we see as Acts uh, continues, as it moves further along, we meet this guy, Saul, also called Paul, and he ends up sharing the good news with other nations, right? Uh, but he, he writes this letter. It's called Romans in our Bible. And he spends 11 chapters talking about this is what God has done for you through Jesus. And then in chapter 12, he begins this plea. Now live like this is true. 
And he's writing this to these little house churches that have been established already. And the reason he has to write it is because they need to be reminded to continue well. The reason he has to write it is because they haven't fully been living like this community we just read about in Acts chapter two. This is not just new for us, right? This is the reality of humanity trying to be what God has called us to be throughout time and throughout history. And so it's a reminder and encouragement. I'm praying that that's what this will be for us this morning as well. But what we saw in Acts chapter two, that's gonna be our prototype for the next four weeks. Uh, This week, a tight-knit community. Then we're gonna talk about life-forming discipleship next week, being formed by God, right? How they were listening to the teachings and worshiping in the temple and things like that. Uh, Then after that, we're talking about a locally rooted presence that our place where God has put us for now, it matters. It's not just something that's gonna go away one day and we'll float up to the heavens. So how do we engage with it in the here and now, right? And then finally, the fourth week will be boundary crossing mission, that we are actually moving toward people who are different from us, right? And that we are sending missionaries overseas, even though we're locally rooted here, but we're also engaging with the people who are different from us right here. So those are what we'll get to. But Acts 2 is kind of this prototype for all four of those things. And this week, tight-knit community. Now, I asked you to think about what are some of the things that get in the way of you experiencing tight-knit community like we read about in Acts 2. And I just want to give us two, two isms. Two isms that kind of infiltrated the church because of the place that we're in. One is individualism. And actually, uh, people have said that America, the United States of America, are like this social experiment on highly, uh, rapidly forming individualism. Like our, our nation is founded on individualism. It's, it's you do you. That's not what our forefathers said, but they said something similar to that, right? It's pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? It's if, if you don't like the system, go out and build your own kind of thing individualism, that fights against this aspect of community that God has created us for. You remember in Genesis, God's calling everything good. What was the first human problem in the garden? Yes, it wasn't eating from the tree, right? That was a big problem that came came next. The first human problem, God said, it's not good for this man to be alone, Right? God designed us for community. God himself exists in community. The Father, Son, and the Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Spirit was there hovering over the waters of creation. So we're designed for this community, but our nation that we have all been born into or have moved here, we live here now, like this is what we're saturated in, was actually designed for individualism, hyper-individualism. Now, there's, there's some kind of good reasons for that. It was bucking against some of the problems of, of like the opposite that was happening in the Eastern worlds of hyper-community, where it was like, what the community does is what matters, and you have no actual personal say of how that's affecting you, right? There's some problems with that too. But man, did we over-course correct, right? Now, the second ism I want to talk about is something called tribalism. 
It sounds funny to say that we have both individualism and tribalism happening at the same time because tribalism sounds like, well, you're part of a tribe. You're part of a community, right? But tribes can be healthy. Tribalism, not so much. And here's what happens with tribalism, how this gets born is because of our hyper-individualism, because it's all about me getting mine and maybe like my immediate family, right? This becomes my little tribe. And then... I'm going to find people who will help reinforce what I think is best for me and my immediate family. That's going to become my tribe. And because we don't have good, uh, a good setting for a community to happen in our nation, you know where that gets played out? On the stage of social media. Seemingly, like, supposedly designed for better community, Right? But what it's doing is it's creating this false sense of community and it's helping you find the people who think like you. And usually what that means is we can both agree that we hate this other together, right? That's tribalism. And it's actually born out of our individualism. So let me just see if this works today. Do a little drawing for us. So if we think about, uh, there's actually this book came out called Proxemics years ago, like decades ago, I think. Uh, great, interesting fact in it, or kind of idea in it, that many sociologists and even psychologists have said, yes, this, this rings true. And what it is, is it gives us kind of four different spheres of community or of how we live life, really. And so this one right here in the center there is like the smallest form of community. And so it's your intimate, your intimate setting. It's three to five people usually. Uh, for many people in our nation, it's your household, right? It's, it's your nuclear family. Maybe it might just be like people who, yeah, many, many families in here are way above the three to five. Uh, and that's why you see like siblings split off or like, uh, we'll hang out over here. Uh, but for, for many people, it's also friends, right? It might be a significant other and like a very small friend group. People who, these are people who you can trust with sharing your deepest, darkest secrets, okay? And then you move out from that and this one is our personal space. Uh, and that is like 10 to 12 people, somewhere around there, right? And so this is like, you can have really good, solid relationships with these people. You could enjoy a lot of rhythms of life together with these people. Uh, and in the same way, we see Jesus had his 12 disciples, but then he also had the three he would pull aside, right? Peter, James, and John. So this, this is like, Actually, we see it played out in the life of Jesus. Uh, then we move out to this outer sphere, and this is your social. This is like 70 to 90 people. So like if we had like last week, 93 people in here all the time, like could you really know all those 92 other people really well? Could you be in their lives daily, all those 92 people? No. So the community, like the living life together aspect starts to break down a little bit, but it's still an important aspect of our life that we still need this social sphere where we get to see, oh, we're part of something bigger. There's a larger group of people here who are in this life together with us and we're committed to, even though they're not the same, you don't have the same deep relationship you do with those three to five. Does that make sense? Uh, And then finally, when you move out here, you get into a public sphere. Right, and so that's like, you're looking more at like the city aspect. So what happens, we stick to our, like America, we got this one nailed down. That individualism is like you 
and find like two people who can agree with you on everything you say and affirm you and tell you you're the best, you know? And that's, that's what life is kind of built around. And then we built social media so that we can look at this. And most people live their lives in those. And actually, if I, I don't really like that personally. Let's get rid of that. Because what social media really has become is this whole other thing out here on its own. It's like a whole other sphere. It's not reality, right? This is not supposed to be a sermon against social media, but you get me going on it. <laughs> uh, but it's, a, it's this whole other sphere where people live out their lives and they play out their ideals and their emotions. And what they do is you, you live in these close, tight-knit family household or like two other people who can affirm everything about you. And then you find people online all over the world who will agree with everything you say too. And then you together tear apart everybody else in between, right? And so that's why we see all kinds of division and all kinds of fighting and all kinds of problems in our society. I believe what God is calling us to and what he has designed us for, what he's always called humanity to is something radically different from that individualism and that tribalism. But to be, what does it look like to be a tight-knit community who is united around Jesus alone and is counter to both the individualism and the tribalism of our society? What that looks like is we actually find people who we can, we can be united on Jesus even though we're different in this and this and this area of life even though we have different ideas on what the country should do about this or this or that, right? Even though we have completely different backgrounds and histories and family origins, that we can still come together at the table centered around feasting on Jesus. And we can say we're committed to each other. That's what a tight-knit community of Jesus followers looks like that's contrast and contrary to the individualism and tribalism of our society. And so what I want to do just for the rest of the time, don't worry, we're almost done, is I want us to read Romans 12, and I'm just going to read through the whole chapter. And let this be a reminder to us, as Paul was giving a reminder to the churches of that day, to continue to live in this community that God has designed for us. Now, here's the thing. We will only be able to do this well when we remember the community Jesus has invited us into. And when we are filled with the power of the spirit that allow Jesus to do that work on our behalf. What I mean is Jesus says, the world will know we're his by our love for one another, right? That's a tight knit community. But scripture also tells us, John also wrote that we can only love because he first loved us. So when we hear all this, don't let it be a reminder of, oh, I need to try to do this better but let it be a reminder of this is what Jesus has done for me. And his spirit has now given me the power to live like that's true. God, would you help me to live like that's true? That's our prayer this morning. So Romans 12, let's read this together. Remember 11 chapters. This is what Jesus has done for you. The good news, the gospel. Chapter 12 starts with therefore. All of this is built into because of what God has done for you, because of God's love for you and Jesus. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Let me pause for a moment because I would always read this my entire life of reading scripture uh, as a very hyper-individualized reading. Therefore, Chris, present your personal body as a living sacrifice to God. And, and I think yes and amen, that that is part of what that means. But actually, I think what Paul was writing to was these bodies of believers. He's sending these to leaders of house churches, right? And I, and I don't think that's a stretch because we're actually gonna see him right after this, start talking about how the body is an analogy for a community of people following Jesus. He's saying, present your community to God. Present your community as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to the individualism or the tribalism, the fighting and the bickering, the the division of our age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Our, Our first analogy is that we're a family. That's what Paul gives. Therefore, brothers and sisters, remember what our good father has done for us. Now we're gonna get to more into this second analogy of the body. For by the grace given to me, verse three, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Do you hear even that word individual? is tying you to one another. And together, we are the body of Christ. So we're one with Jesus and we're one with one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints, that's one another, in their needs, right? That's a callback to Acts 2. He has to write this because that stopped somewhere along the way. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse social media. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But they deserve it, right? No. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Why? Because relationships are a two-way street, right? 
this, this gives you a little bit of freedom to say, I'm not in control of how other people respond or of how they live. But if possible, as far as it depends on you, do everything you can to live in wholeness, peace, shalom with everyone. Friends, verse 19, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, when someone sins against you, what they've first done, first and foremost, is sin against God. Okay, this is not, and I know we, we get hurt in life. Like there's real legitimate hurts, but you can take that hurt to God and he will also deal with the hurt that's been done with the other person. Vengeance is not for us to take. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will heap fiery coals on his head. I always would laugh at this verse because it's like, oh, that's, it's like a backdoor loophole way to get at somebody, right? All right, well, if I'm not allowed to like repay them with evil, what I'm gonna do is be like overly kind and gracious on the outside, secretly inside, hoping that they will burn. Now, I, I, I can't tell you 100% uh, what Paul meant by this verse, but I know that there are a lot of theologians who actually think this was meant as a good thing. That in, in this culture, who didn't have heaters, by the way, uh, that they would have welcomed burning coals into their home. They would have needed it for fires to cook their food and to stay warm and survive the winter months. In doing so, uh, some theologians would argue what Paul's saying here is you are helping to give life. Not trying to get at somebody. For in so doing, you'll heap fiery coals on his head. I still think it's funny. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. This is how Paul was encouraging the church in Rome to continue in the good news that they had received, that there is a God who has pursued them. That because God broke into our sphere, that God came into our community. Jesus said that he is one with the Father and then he prays before he goes to the cross that we would be one with one another and with him, just like he is one with the Father. Because we have that God, may we continue living in community with one another. I know there's a lot of uh, stuff that goes messy in community. And I know there's a lot of hurts and people have experienced like, man, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't know if this is for me because people have really done me wrong in the past. And I, and I get that. And here's, we said this a couple of weeks ago, actually, we were talking about how Jesus went through an abusive relationship on our behalf, but I don't think he calls us to do the same, right? Remember that verse, in as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Like if we're known by our love for one another, staying in an abusive situation where people are just heaping actual fiery coals on, I don't know, like where they're treating you terribly, that's not love for one another. That's not a witness of the gospel. So there are times to move out of certain settings, right? There are times to move away from harmful relationships and communities. I just want to get that out there. That's our disclaimer for the morning. But when you have people who are saying, I'm willing to commit to working through the hardships, your love for one another, right? 
When you have people who are saying, I, I know we disagree and I, and I know we hurt each other's feelings, but can we sit down and can we remember Jesus and what he's done for us and can we work through this together? That's where I want to challenge us to stay at the table. That's where I want to challenge us to continue in these communities. And so if, if we think about just real quick, one last drawing, and then we'll go to the table. If we think about real quick, uh, those four spheres I just talked about. This one here, uh, we're calling you not to just keep your sphere, your tight little, it's just me and my nucleus household, but we, we are trying to set up the setting for these spheres to be lived out in healthy community that points us to Jesus. And so we have our DNA groups that are three to five people that can meet regularly and get to know one another and look at scripture together and call each other to follow Jesus together. Uh, that's what that one is. It's too small to write DNA. Then we have our Missio communities, 10 to 12 people who are living life together, who are also finding ways to bless others and invite people into that community, right? Uh, and then here we have our gatherings. It's definitely not 70 to 90 people. But when you have all our kids in here, it's pretty dang close to that, right? And so it's a larger community where we're reminded we're not in this alone. We have a larger group of people who were committed to one another. Uh, and then you have the public sphere. And this is the city of Phoenix. This is where God has placed us. How are we living in such a way that the city around us actually sees, right? Not, not a light under a, under a basket, but a city on a hill where they see our love for one another so that our community is lived out in front of the watching world and they see in the face of individualism and in the face of tribalism, a community of people who don't agree on everything, but are loved by Jesus together that we can actually know one another and be known because of the God who knows us and who is with us. Would you guys pray with me that we would be able to live this out well this year? Because we do need the power of God to do this.